Peace and love, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andrew Hewson. I'm a spiritual teacher. I'm here with my friend, David Davidja Buckland. David is an author of, uh, he's authored the book, Our Natural Potential. I believe he has uh, another book on the way. <laughs> he also is the writer of a blog, davidja.ca, where he explores uh, enlightenment in the context of daily life and looks at how that relates to the fields of science and psychology. David and I have been having conversations uh, for about a year, uh, recording talks together. And this particular conversation is the, maybe it's the fourth, I believe, or the fifth of a, um, a mini series or a sub series of conversations that we're having on the stages of enlightenment. Uh, what I refer to as contextual modalities and what David refers to as stages of enlightenment. So David's model and my own are a little different. And uh, as we come together and explore the uh, nuanced descriptions, it paints more of a comprehensive picture. Here we're going to be speaking about the condition of pure divinity or the reality of pure divinity. And I felt that it would be appropriate as we're moving into this, David, just to acknowledge the sacredness of such a conversation and really all the conversations that we've had and to express to the viewers that what we're describing is not a, a measuring system. It's not a way to uh, gauge any apparent progress uh, for an individual. What we're describing are actual conditions of reality realized within itself. And they're so precious and sacred um, to take them on as a, a concept and a way of comparing uh, really is out of alignment with the truth of what is being expressed. So it's an honor and a privilege to be able to uh, share on this subject. And uh, I'm grateful that you're here with me, David. Thank you, Andrew. You raise a very good point. In our last conversation on Brahman, we touched on the challenge of speaking about no-thingness, the, mm -hmm. the, the non-thingness of, of Brahman. And I mentioned there that Brahman is kind of like the afterglow of pure divinity or parabrahman, so it's also known. And it's, yes, profoundly sacred. And, you know, for, uh, for myself too, it's something that's still unfolding. So there is, there is not a complete uh, picture. Uh, however, I was given some feedback, some understanding to see what the structure of it was so that uh, uh, the unfolding would make more sense. Uh, we've talked in the earlier conversations about how there's these two processes, parallel processes, um, that, are, that support the unfolding, the stages in consciousness and the refinement and the awakening heart and the process of soma, those two kind of masculine and feminine sides of the process. 
um, sometimes people will move through the process into Brahman without much refinement, enough to, to uh, recognize what's unfolding, but uh, not the deeper values of the feminine side. Uh, but when we get to this point, it's absolutely necessary for that refinement to have taken place. Uh, pure divinity can't be known without uh, that refinement process taking place. Sometimes I use the analogy of consciousness as a comparison. Um, from our previous understanding, we understand that pure consciousness is the foundation of all form and experience. And in, in deep meditation and, and so forth, we come to recognize consciousness by itself, pure consciousness prior to expression. And then we wake up to that as the self. With pure divinity, we're waking up to divinity without expression, divinity in its core nature, uh, the source of the source. Uh, what Lauren Hoff describes as pure holiness, even in non-self nothingness. And we define that the qualities that we recognize within Brahman, those values that become consciousness, alertness, liveliness, intelligence, turn out to be qualities of divinity. They're kind of coming through Brahman and then expressing. Most people I know uh, experience this pure divinity in a feminine kind of way as a divine, as a divine mother. Uh, as a profound feminine presence. I wouldn't say that's uh, universal, but it's uh, necessarily, but everyone I know so far is <laughs> that they relate to it in that kind of way. That's an interesting uh, point that you make, David, and I have some observations about that that could potentially be relevant um, in, in this aspect of uh, the unfoldment here there came a certain point where that kind of uh that contextualization of it as either being masculine or feminine sort of came into the foreground and there seemed to be um what appeared at first to be sort of a stuckness in uh, a paradox or um something that was yet to be seen clearly and because of it being pure divinity it seemed that the possibility of it being an either or just wasn't there but at the same time there was as you describe the prominence of this profound femininity if you will in uh, an impersonal divine sense and what uh, sort of revealed itself was that this is the contextualization of pure divinity within its own realization within its own mind in this way, in this more feminine way, is actually what is most appropriate for our time. So in the unfoldment of this planetary system and our current sort of collective status, um, this is the way that divinity uh, seems to be relating to itself. So that's just my observation. Yeah. And it actually correlates with um, that which is most relevant for humanity. Yeah. Yes. And there's a great deal in the old texts that, that talk about this in a similar way. Mm. 
Another important detail to understand about pure divinity is it's not known in the way that we normally know things. The way, the way we know consciousness, the way we know uh, a pen, you know, a, the home we live in, and so forth. Um, this is all known by a knower as an aspect of consciousness. Hmm. Whereas divinity is pure all-knowing. And there is no person or, or value of a individuality that's used to know divinity. It's divinity hmm. itself that is learning, that is know it, knowing itself from yes. a point. And it's interesting, it's, it's sort of the same kind of dichotomy as, as in Brahman as well, because nothing is, is experienced as being created, and yet everything we experience is that, is mm -hmm. divinity in appearance. And that's, that's kind of the whole thing about, you know, the world as illusion, is it's not illusory, how to say this, it's illusory to think that the world itself is real in itself, mm -hmm. but in its deeper nature, that's the reality. There, there is a world, but it's the deeper nature expressing itself within itself. Yes, yeah, that's a beautiful point. It's the difference between seeing only the appearance or seeing the essence of the appearance and seeing what it is that is appearing. And yeah. that's where we discover the actuality of the reality of that which is seen to be the world. And it's really um, interesting that you brought up that point um, in reference to sort of the non-creation and, and the appearance. What I found is that in that um, stage or phase of nothingness, there was almost a clearing out that, that was taking place. And um, in the pure divinity shift, it sort of revealed that uh, from a teleological viewpoint, the function of that clearing out was to, to make room for the divinization of all of the layers of creation that previously were being held from a different value. So in the stages before, it had to do with conscious awareness, realizing itself, recognizing its own intelligence, the way in which its own light is appearing in form, so on and so forth. And then in the nothingness stage, that again is recontextualized. So it seemed to be on the basis of thatness. And we are that qualityless nothingness, which then is, uh, although nothing is ever created, is appearing as all of creation. So in that, uh, in the sort of recognition of the, the nothingness of creation, there is a is a is a, a sort of space or a room that's being created you might say um which then i found in the pure divinity shift and at least in the initial stages of pure divinity sort of fills up with the radiance of divinity yes yes i agree uh here there was kind of a process where it started off by filling from below mm. um like filling with white light not a, a specific light, but just like liquid light <laughs> kind of flowing in. And it kind of came to a certain point and um, there was still some shadow values, some, some unresolved uh, values in the, in the physiology, but it's not, it's not the local physiology. I'll come back to that in a bit, but, but, um, but it kind of reached a certain point and then it kind of went around um, that shadow area and 
and that highlighted it. It sort of was unseen until that point, but it uh, it highlighted it, and so it allowed me to go in and, and you know feel into it. And that process continues. It, that's one of the things I found is this process is far more uh, exacting of of the purification process. Anything that's that's um, that's, that remains unresolved is, is being highlighted in various ways at various uh, in various aspects of the life um, to be seen and, and resolved so that divinity can be lived. And so it kind of rose up to a certain point and then it started descending uh, in the same kind of way. And what I found fascinating to observe was that uh, the physiology in the, in the more cosmic sense of it is uh, all driven by the devata, the fine uh, mechanics of creation, the laws of nature, the um, the uh, principles that of functioning that, that uh, create the expression, the doers. Hmm. Um, and essentially this process was immer immersing them in divinity. Hmm. And that triggered some of them to have a spiritual awakening hmm. uh, in through here, and that triggered a massive amount of <laughs> purification. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the um, uh, there was this local awakening, so to speak, in a in a broader way, and then that awakening of the devas falling back into the collective, and that spreading out and triggering a massive amount of purification, which uh, seems to be continuing to go on. Mm -hmm. uh, it really kicked up. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so it's kind of, uh, there is kind of, talk about physiology a little bit here too, for perspective. When I talk about physiology, I'm not just talking about the physical body, but there's those subtler bodies, our mm -hmm. emotional energy bodies, the, the, the uh, mental body, the, the level of the intellect and intuition, the celestial or, or, uh, uh, a bliss body mm. and then the field of, of which is also the field of our where our universe begins and then uh, beyond that field of creation um, that contains that sort of the cosmic space uh, of consciousness being aware of itself and then consciousness itself now within within that field of creation there is what I refer to as the Davidson body it's essentially it's like a template and the body is composed entirely of the devata values. And because mm -hmm. this is outside of, of manifest space and out of time, um, they're essentially managing the expression of all beings in all time simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And then that is nested within the cosmic body, which is the body of all bodies. Um, also known as Narayana and, and various, you know, firstborn kind of uh, uh, concepts like you know, ideas like that, mm -hmm. and then that has a value of a, a divine body, a body just composed of that divinity. Mm -hmm. that, so we're we're talking about the divine flowing into the cosmic body, the devata body, and and then progressively into the subtler bodies. And uh, I was shown that that. Um, divinity the, the parabrahman stage unfolds in within stages itself 
Mm-hmm. There's kind of like a pattern. There's there's the um, cosmic consciousness, self-realization, God consciousness, and unity stages. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Brahman, uh, refined Brahman and para-Brahman stages. And the, the, the pattern is somewhat similar in certain ways. Unity has stages in the same way para-Brahman has distinct stages. And they correspond to those layers of expression and to the, the structure and physiology, um, such as the chakras and, and the koshas and so on. So there's kind of correspondence between these substages and the, and the layers of becoming and the uh, divinity moving in essentially into those layers. But there's a lot of purification to go on before that can be fully embodied. So this has been gradually unfolding here in, in uh, progressive stages. It was, it was interesting because I was finishing my first book, uh, Our Natural Potential, talking about the, these seven stages of enlightenment. And I, don't, <clears throat> I had almost nothing to say about um, pure divinity or parabrahman stage um, because I didn't, you know, I had just been tasting it, you know, it, was <laughs> it hadn't unfolded yet. <laughs> and it became clear that there were seven stages. And I had to refine it slightly a little bit later. Um, I made a small error in that, but it's, it's, it hasn't been unfolding uh, corresponding to that. And essentially it, it also relates to uh, seven fundamental qualities of divinity um, and how those are embodied by the chakras and by the koshas and by consciousness and, and so on. Um, so it's a it's an interesting process to see, and of course there's there's going to be a huge variation in how this unfolds uh, in any given yeah. theology. Yeah, that's a great point. The the variation, I just for the viewers, it's important to recognize you know degrees of refined perception and different variations of refined perception, which we've talked about in some of our previous talks, and you know it's even in a in a in a true pure divinity shift it's not always going to be so the processes that you're describing in reference to the physiology and the body are not always going to be so descriptively clear. So the (laughs) same basic, um, the same basic unfoldment is happening, but there may or less, there may be more or less awareness of the details of that and the way that you're describing it um, in reference to the, to the movement from the divine body through the cosmic body and so on and so forth. So that's very true. In, uh, in reference also to the, to the awakening laws of nature, I would say that there can be cases where um, laws of nature are awakening in the physiology, but perhaps the, in, that, in, in that case, there isn't an awareness that that, that is what is specifically going on. So yes. um, I have a very strong analytical uh, aspect that goes into the detail. Oh, and, you and I both. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate that. And, and, uh, and, and also the refinement processes here has been going on since the 70s, basically. So um, yeah. it's been this progressive. And so the details have been unfolding. But it's one of those attention things. Mm-hmm. Unfolded where I've had the attention, where I've had the interest. Yes. Whereas, yeah. you know, our friend Dorothy Rowe, uh, for example, has had her attention much more on healing and, yeah. and the, the uh, more expressed koshas that support our our body mind and uh how she can help in those areas whereas much less detail here in, in that sense yeah that's a really beautiful point and it's kind of um goes back to that point that you've made before about how each of us sort of has a specialty in a certain sense so um we be there's an expertise that tends to develop according to the flow of attention and and 
what uh, sort of what is revealed in the unfoldment through the appearance of a, of a given physiology. Yes. Um, one thing that I uh, will just sort of look at here is the a couple of different ways that I've noticed that the pure divinity shift can unfold. One of them starts more on the manifest value in the manifest value of conscious awareness, sort of coming back online from nothingness in uh, in almost in a thickening fullness. So in that in that no thingness, um, what begins to take place is there's this thick full presence that begins to re-reveal itself but it's in a new way and this is actually the radiance or the light of pure divinity and in that the radiance has the possibility of then tracing itself back or sort of how would i say milking itself down to the the source value of its truth and that's where that infinite supreme power is shining as that thick fullness hmm. yeah. so that's one way and that starts with the manifest going back to the unmanifest the other way is starting with the the manifest sort of the sacredness and the holiness and the infinite love and grace starts to sort of shimmer forth out of the nothingness hmm. And then it's, it's filling up and then starts to sort of pour down as the re-revealing of the self as the radiance of divinity. Yeah. Beautiful. So those are just two, you know, just two possibilities there. And of course, I'm sure there's lots of variation in those. But uh, there's also something um, that I call the, f the field field contrast um, or the field point contrast. And I see the stages sort of having these contrast points arising, particularly in the, in the freshness of a shift, um, where there's a new point of reference for our identity, for our reality, and, you know, what, what that new point of reference sort of has been revealed out of, or what we sort of have shifted out of into that. So there's this uh, a sense of layering and a contrast in the layering. Now, this can be referential to field field in the sense of manifest light and unmanifest source, but it can also be referential to field point, or it can be field field point. Yeah, I know this may sound like, but it is true. So. <laughs> I'll try to understand it. Just, you know, if you do, then you see it. Um, and then then what takes place as there is a unification and that purification begins to come online, David, that you were talking about, is that the contrast also begins to resolve. So there's less of a field-field contrast, less of a field-point contrast. And the, a seamlessness begins to prevail in the condition. Yeah. Yes. And some people actually can think that they're losing it a little bit um, yeah. because mm -hmm. the contrast fades. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've actually found it's, it's surprising how fast the contrast mm -hmm. goes away and it becomes yeah. normal, especially mm -hmm. when you've actually been through the unity process where there's a whole series of, sh of sub shifts. Mm -hmm. um, you really get used to your reality shifting. On a yeah. Basis. yeah, that's a great point because in early pure divinity, it's kind of like you can check in, you know, to see if it's, you know, see if it's still there, you're still there. And 
at a certain point that kind of dissipates and because you're the contrast of checking in is not it's always sort of in the it becomes more in the foreground yeah so it kind of shifts from background to foreground and and even the whole background foreground seeming um split which it's not really a substantial split but you know what i mean also is resolved uh as that process of the deepening embodying of the of the physiology begins to unfold so all of this directly relates to the that deep purification that begins to shine forth with the radiance uh revealing itself to itself um, yeah, like the ultimate solvent it, it dissolves yes. everything yeah i mean it's so it's so amazing how we can feel pretty well resolved in nothingness you know uh to, because uh, just of the qualitative value of nothingness it's easier to feel much more resolved because <laughs> 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 there's not really you know there's nothing <laughs> so um and then in the period of indie shift we are in sometimes in for a big surprise <laughs> yes. <laughs> the lights get really turned on you know it's like boing. <laughs> oh there's a, a few little pieces here and there that i wasn't <laughs> not only that it also invites layers of collective material uh into its power into yeah. its presence yeah so we become sort of vehicles for levels of collective resolution um, that correlate with our own sort of individual experiences if you will yeah and things we resonate with Yes, exactly. Very, very, very true. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to mention there's a concept I have of divine displacement, which I find to be useful. And that's as the the radiance and the brilliance <laughs> and the shimmering glimmeringness <laughs> of divinity becomes more and more prominent and prevalent <laughs> as an as a dimmer switch that doesn't stop. It's like a dimmer switch that keeps <laughs> You can turn it around infinitely. Um, then there's a displacement of layers of unresolved um, residue and unresolved material. So it's actually like sticking your hand in a full glass of water or even a glass of water that isn't full, whatever, that the, the light is displacing the remnants of that which is based in the illusion of darkness, the appearance of darkness. That dissolution, yeah. Yeah, I think it's important here to mention, too, because people naturally will compare it to their own experience. Mm -hmm. We're talking about this whiteness of pure divinity moving into the physiology. We're not talking about energy. We're mm -hmm. not talking about even, you know, Shakti, although the higher, I mean, the higher values of uh, the expressions of pure divinity could be described as Shakti with a capital S. Mm -hmm. but we're not talking about Kundalini or... Um, uh, we're not talking about soma. Soma has a white quality as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an expression of divinity, so it, it has a it has some features of that. But these are uh, values of expression, and um, and yeah, it's certainly not some of those not celestial either. It's not. Yeah. We're not talking about a celestial value. Yeah. Exactly, celestial kind of has a golden thing. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a it's, it, you know it's transcendent to all of that. And even to say that it's white is kind of a, a little misleading. It just blurs out everything. <laughs> so so bright, you know. Um, yes, yes. And it's that's everything. So you know the quality of manifest light. It's uh, it's you know white light is all light together. 
-hmm. and it, it's kind of like that in a sense but it's more than all that and and so we might compare it to that in a sense and there's kind of the as above so below and so when you're describing pure divinity it sounds a lot like some uh aspects of god consciousness and aspects mm -hmm. of divine unity in there and that's certainly that's the case because there are those those uh those high qualities that are reflective reflected mm -hmm. as you go through you know into more manifest levels of expression but um but pure divinity is so much more and you don't want to underestimate it <laughs> yes yeah that's exactly right it's the non non-relative radiance of the one infinite reality that becomes so obvious that it is the, the infinite reality yeah it's it's interesting it's probably worth talking about God a little bit here because mm -hmm. there's um there's kind of three primary ways you could say of knowing um well maybe four i guess, I guess you could even say of knowing laws of nature the primary primary qualities of divinity or laws of nature one of them is just as a quality simply as that a value of being or love um but there's also the personal value where where you experience a form value mm -hmm. um, so this is some you know form like krishna or or jesus or whatever um, you relate to um or laws of nature can express in a direct uh, experienceable form and there's kind of the purusha value or the mahadeva where it's a subtle form they're embodied but they don't have detail it's kind of like a, an outline mm -hmm. but it's definitely a quality and it has a form to some degree mm -hmm. and then there is in its pure quality pure principle mm -hmm. not as a law of nature but just as a pure quality Mm -hmm. so for example you know uh, shiva embodies alertness the observer aspect of consciousness that quality of divinity uh can be experienced in a mahadeva form mm -hmm. and can be experienced as a as a being mm -hmm. uh, or just more impersonally as a uh, as alertness mm -hmm. and similarly you know krishna is uh has a quality of love and sustaining, um, which relates to uh, dharma, flow, mm. uh, kind of quality of divine discrimination. Mm. Um, and anyways, uh, yeah, it's interesting too. Krishna is an interesting one because Krishna means black. Dark, yeah. Yeah, dark or black, yeah. Uh, it's, um, um, and when that, when that value, the divine value of that started to unfold here, the um, the apparent unconscious background of, mm -hmm. of everything that had been experienced came alive. Yeah, I realized it embodied Krishna. Yeah, emptiness became fullness. And uh, in, in that sense, even in the fullness, there was qualities of what wasn't conscious or or it was empty. Um, those aspects were Krishna. Yes. Yeah, that's a beautiful point. That's a sort of a recognizable. Uh, stage in the pure divinity unfoldment and and because it sort of references the the no thingness in a new way um to have an awareness of that uh the possibility of that unfolding is helpful because it could seem like um potentially at first that it's sort of a backtracking but it isn't it's just a 
Yes. It's a re-revelation of what has already been tasted uh, to some degree, but in the in a new context, in the context of pure divinity. And that, you know, then that supreme dark Lord reveals in you, well, you are that um, <laughs> on, the, on the level of, uh, of the no-thingness, but it's, as you described, that the pure divinity of it, the, the aliveness of it, the, the, all of those different qualities sort of come online and, and are revealed. And that's uh, the, what we could call the supreme masculine value from a certain perspective. Yes, exactly. There's a, yeah, and yet there's a, there's a, a saying that, that, uh, that Shiva is, is dead without Shakti mm -hmm. <laughs> or inert, um, depending on how you want to translate that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's also interesting to reflect on, on, on the literature that's available in the traditional literature. A lot of, a lot of the texts talk about serialization and uh, unity and, and the shift into Brahman, not so much about Brahman itself. Again, it's how do you describe nothing. Um, but a lot of that st stuff about higher stages tends to be quite dry. Like mm -hmm. the Brahma Sutra basically lists a series of intellectual recognitions or, or recognitions by the intellect. Oh, yes, I am that also. I am that also. And mm -hmm. kind of aggregate it, it describes coming together. And it's really very dry and it's, it's been confused often as a, as a, as a bunch of uh, concepts, a list of concepts. Um, but pure divinity can't be described in that kind of way. It's a, it's a, it's, it would be meaningless to. And so what you find is texts that are more devotional. Mm -hmm. And essentially they're just long lists of qualities of divinity uh, or names of divinity that, that uh, imply qualities or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and they're in, uh, in song. There's a famous sage, uh, Shankara, who uh, is the founder of what we, now referred to as non-duality um, and the early part of his teaching were were quite dry and, and he was famous for uh beating other spiritual leaders in, in debates because he had a very sharp intellect even at a young age uh he died at something like 33 years old or something um but there's a later stage where he wrote devotional material that, that's not as recognized Hmm. And there's a, a story that he was walking along a, a river and his foot got stuck. He couldn't get his foot out. And he sees a washerwoman going over a nearby bridge and calls out to her for help. And she says to him something to the effect of, oh, it's all just illusion. Hmm. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and he realizes that she's, she's divine mother. Yeah. And, and then, <laughs> And then writes this beautiful, uh, uh, beautiful uh, poem, uh, mm. poem of describing her qualities. So that and there was a shift. So there's that shift into the later his later teaching, so the higher values. But that's that's largely been unrecognized in uh, in recent times. But yeah, that'll, that'll come. Yeah, it is. It is coming online now. Um, it's really beautiful that you brought up 
devotion because um, it's been a very sort of intricate um, part of the unfoldment here from the beginning. And, and this directly relates to this sort of contextualization of pure divinity in the feminine value. Um, I described a different style of uh, unfoldment that started with the refined value um, from your description uh, throughout our talks and uh, the sort of fullness, the conscious presence, the vibrancy coming online first and the field realizing itself through the sort of dynamic form value and the fullness value first, and then clicking in to the silent, uh, changeless seeing value after. And that continuing to sort of have some dominance throughout the process. And I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that unfold and uh, all around uh, every week. Uh, that, that sort of shows up in a new way. That uh, does speak to the development of, of uh, collective consciousness. That that's possible even. Um, yeah, when the world does. is all, you know, plugged up and sludgy. It's yeah. <laughs> not a way you're going to wake up, basically. Um, whereas if that's softening and... and uh, um, and that becomes more of a vehicle. I mean, of course, there's always going to be interesting exceptions, but um, as a as a whole, on a, on a more typical level, uh, that's fascinating to to to, uh, to see that. Yeah, it is. It is. It's uh, um, such a, uh, a a blessing to be able to observe it as well. Sort of how the how it starts to develop in its infancy, infancy, and then uh, blossoms forth. And one of the sort of aspects of that is that sort of um, a resonance with a devotion or sort of a natural flowering of devotion um, that directly relates to the radiance of pure divinity because that feminine aspect that's recognized in the self actually is the enlivening intelligence, the enlivening power of pure divinity. Yeah. And it's not really, it's not really clear until the pure divinity shift unfolds. But what does become very clear is that actually it has been the grace of divinity the whole way. Yes. It has been guiding and unfolding the process. It's, it's yeah. like here I was talking a lot about the mechanics of consciousness and there was the observer and the observed and the process of experience and, mm -hmm. and, and then becoming aware that, that consciousness itself had a source and arose from the, its qualities of um, alertness and loudness blending together to create uh, conscious awareness that then becomes self-aware and, and all this. Hmm. I, and only then did I become aware that there was this third quality of an intelligence that was in there. Is, um, you know, that alertness or that liveliness didn't just agitate alertness. It actually um, stirred it awake and it took a direction. Hmm. And, and, you know, there's this, and there's that, you know, that, that devata value is the most subtle of the, of the three uh, in consciousness because that's where the intelligence expresses. And that's where the world comes out of. And it's that intelligence quality that's key to the whole thing. I mean, mm -hmm. without that, it's just, you know, noise, chaos. Yes. And, and that, that is, you know, the highest value in, in a sense of, of course, this is speaking from the, the intellect. <laughs> sure, sure, we are. Yeah, but it's also something underlying, you know, underlying the expression intellectually. Yeah, yeah um, a, a pure devotion has been less of a process Mm -hmm. but there's been stages of that like through yeah. the god consciousness stage uh, with a heart opening i had a very profound uh, devotional period in there. and uh and other points as well yeah it, it shows up differently for everyone and um i think what i was the sort of point that i was coming to is that 
in the presence of pure divinity, uh, that sort of is inescapable, you know, some level of devotion, some level of just the sense of the majesty, the majesty, the excellent, the majestic excellence and supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh yes. my gosh. <laughs> yeah, sometimes people have this, these doubts about whether or not uh, light will overcome, but it's just, there's a, I mean, there's, there's a need for, for uh, darkness to, mm -hmm. to hold form, to, to allow form to exist, to allow experiences to unfold, mm -hmm. to allow us to learn and um, uh, bring out the, the detail of, of, of it. But we've been coming out of a, a darker age where we got a little lost in that. Yes. The light got a little bit low. And now we're bringing it back up again and uh, restoring the balance. And, uh, and what we're talking about now will become much more common. Yes, yes, it, it, it will, and it is, and, and that's also a great point in, in reference to the age. You know, in coming out of the denser, darker age, there's a tendency to contextualize things in reference to the masculine. And so, you know, even in conditions of pure divinity, oftentimes it can be sort of masculinely contextualized. Um, that's the way that it is described or related to. Um, and as the, the our as the light becomes more prominent collectively, then there's an uncovering and a revealing of a different possibility. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying in the beginning about how this divinity holding itself in the feminine value is most supportive for our time and is most in alignment with, with, with where we are collectively. Yeah. But it also points to the, the really major value of healing mm, wow because if that refinement and uh, awakening heart isn't going to going to happen if we're well isn't going to happen unless we we unload a good hunk of it anyways <laughs> we're yeah. still we're still going to have some to work through but if we're going to be invested in and in resisting and, and holding on to our past and what you know our regrets or whatever like that um that's just not a uh doesn't create a space where those refined values can unfold. Exactly. Um, or even running away and trying to escape. You know, a lot of, a lot of folks look at non-duality as an escape route. <laughs> it's like, how do I get out of being accountable for things? <laughs> non-duality, right? That's the most popular. <laughs> let's avoid, let's, let, let's, let's practice. <laughs> from our, our karma. <laughs> right. So our life and yeah, it gets carried away a bit. Yeah. And it's so, you know, and 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 when that whenever that does unfold, it's purely, I mean, you know, it's it's intellectual, you know, a lot of it's so intellectual and, and non-experiential. Um and and what we find it, is go ahead. Say, the friend of mine calls it the, the non-duality manscape. Yeah, sure. That's very that's <laughs> an arguing concepts. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and, and what's really wild about it is that it's just blindness, leading blindness and getting and going deeper into blindness, you know, oftentimes. But what we discover with maturity and through grace is that it's through facing and allowing and going into and holding and receiving all of those things that we've been pushing away and trying to get out of and, and escape or say that we that we didn't have or didn't do or, or whatever, you know 
all of those impressions. It's through just becoming the field of pure allowing, pure receiving that just welcomes, welcomes those um, into the possibility of resolution. And that definitely correlates with and is inseparable from, from the a pure divinity uh, unfoldment or pure divinity shift and, and the feminine aspect of our reality being clear and prominent. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. So I thought it would be nice maybe if uh, you and I, if we both kind of described the, how this whole play of form is appearing from pure divinity. <laughs> just a quick appearing to <laughs> appearing to right and not yeah so maybe just like a quick sort of run through of uh the basic you know the basic outline of that maybe and because we have different perspectives and then as those come together it could it's uh always nice yeah. do you want to start sure i'll start yeah so pure divinity is the only reality all right this pure divinity in a whim to know itself in a whim uh, amusing to know itself appears infinitely absent to itself now this is like a withdrawal or a flash of supreme nothingness and within this supreme nothingness is this, this um, potential that is based in structure and the possibility of holding and providing the canvas. And in this infinite no-thingness, this infinite quality-less primary appearance is what I call it. The primary appearance is no-thingness. There's also awareness, but it's not awareness, it's inactive awareness, it's inert awareness. It's awareness that isn't self-aware. Hmm. So then I'm describing it sequentially, but it's not, it's instantaneous, simultaneous, if you will. Pure divinity activates that uh, infinite no-thingness and the inactively inert awareness that's present there. And that activation is what I refer to as the primary distinction. So it's almost like a drum. Um, if you look at the structure of a drum, it's hollow. Uh, and then there's a, a, a skin stretched on top of it. Yeah. And in order for there to be sound, the skin is struck. Hmm? So we can look at Brahman nothingness almost as the structure the, of the drum and there's an inert sort of awareness stretched over the top of it. <laughs> Just bear with me. Yeah. And it's struck by pure divinity as a part of the musing. And this is the primary vibration, the primary distinction, the primary tension. It's also known as the pranava mantra. And this primary vibration hmm, reverberates and, in, and collapses into an infinite number of, it reaches an infinite number of threshold points, which are pranavic points, which basically collapse into replicas 
of this same primary process. So each point represents then a new pranavic reverberation. And in these points, what we then see is the primary sound begin to take on an infinite number of vibratory distinctions, which show up as multiverse structures. So an infinite number of multiverse structures arises simultaneously. And within each multiverse structure, there's a unique conglomeration or patterning of the sound in, in what we call the laws of nature or that show up as the laws of nature for each structuring multiplicity. And in this multiverse structure, we see the emergence of this universe in this universe. Oh, also that primary distinction or that striking of the, the drum, that striking of the symbol and that primary vibration also shows up as a centralization principle known as egoity. So those points, those pranavic points are guided by this centralization principle of egoity. And that centralization principle then translates into the structuring of the multiverse structure that arises within that unique vibratory patterning of the primary vibration. Hmm. Yeah. And so that centralization principle guides the expression of the universes and then within the universes, galaxies, planetary systems. And then the centralization principle shows up on a given planetary system known as Earth as the guiding intelligence for the formation, the patterning of life. And there's a lot more to it. I'm skipping a lot of different things, but you're, you, all right. It's early. <laughs> so, and then that shows up as the appearance of two bodies speaking right now. So the, the primary distinction is also that intelligence of self-experiencing. So that is where awareness is self-aware, self-conscious. And that self-experiencing is what collapses into all of these infinite vibratory points of emergence, which then show up as multiverse structures and so on and so forth. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, it's interesting. I, I realize I don't think I've ever tried to say it all at once. Um, <laughs> I get a dissertation in the spring. On this, <laughs> that's what I'm working on for the second book, which I haven't actually been working on lately much. But um, My disclaimer is a lot of details are left out. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's pretty hard to describe the whole thing. So yeah, I guess, I guess the perspective I have um, is that yeah, yeah, pure divinity is the source of the source. And essentially she has these primary qualities and those qualities, well, interact is not quite the right word because it's not like something happens or whatever, but they're, they're there. And so that quality of alertness, as I mentioned before, is stirred by the liveliness, becomes conscious. Um, so the Brahman, Brahman knows itself, it's alert to itself, but it's not consciousness. Um, 
And then it takes another stage more expressed and consciousness becomes more expressed and becomes self-aware. Mm. You get this kind of subtle space of consciousness aware of itself. And then within that, it kind of like there's nested values. And so there's, there's uh, consciousness is aware of itself globally and then at every point within itself. And uh, those points express forward as what we would call souls and, and, and beings uh, who are then experiencers of this expression. And it also, um, and it's kind of like, there's this kind of like divine mind. And as you mentioned, divinity has kind of like a thought, you might call it even not, not even, not as expressed as what, how we would experience a thought, but just like an idea, a meme, <laughs> some idea. And it kind of creates this uh, memory impression. Shmirti, mm. um, uh, they call it in, in Sanskrit. And from the perspective here at the moment, um, that self-aware consciousness uh, experiences that uh, idea or whatever, and then tries to express it. Hmm. It's trying to become that, um, and and so it tries to mimic or or um, facil- uh, uh, imitate it, kind of thing. And so it creates this expression, which we experience as the appearance of the world. Um, as an attempt to uh, express divinity. Mm. It's, you know, the expression here, divinity is all knowing already, but consciousness is not. And so consciousness is working to know itself. It knows itself globally, but it doesn't know itself in all the details. And so it expresses those point values and all, each of which has a different expression. And so each of us has a, a function in consciousness to know itself more fully and more not imitate, but emulate divinity. Yes. Uh, to be uh, higher and higher values of that. Um, and then there's a progressive series of expressions of that where, where um, um, that space of consciousness, there's a nested value of that um, uh, space within a space where the space actually becomes what we would call manifest space hmm. and the universe is expressed and, and, uh, and there's a kind of a, and that's the pranava as you describe, and and um, there's this kind of uh, there's the devata values where they kind of uh, it's like the vibrations are spoken, mm. and um, and they work in a group um, and self interact and use the different sounds. Sanskrit's kind of the language that's closest, but but you know, the devata use the lang- the sound simultaneously, mm. uh, which we're not capable of doing. We have to express <laughs> clearly. And so the bite simultaneously and those interactions create uh, a subtle geometry, subtle structure. And, um, and then the, the, the uh, sounds modulate the field value that, that as it gets more expressed into um, uh, air and, and so on. And, um, and that, you know, so that becomes the field of mind field and then energy fields and then, and then physical form and as it gets progressively more dense and, and uh, solidified. And some, some things don't 
aren't expressed all the way. They're just they're only celestial objects or they're only mental objects like thoughts. Um, uh, and some things express all the way into the physical form. And then there's a quality of, of uh, what's what's known as dharma, that which mm. that which sustains that's required. Because all this happens in a moment and um, in an instant. And so for it to be sustained over time and for experiences to unfold, there's this quality that of that of sustaining that's required to keep it going so we can we can um, um, have some stability in which to experience and learn and so on yeah uh, i don't know i guess that's kind of my nutshell version <laughs> yeah that's beautiful yeah thank you so much for filling yeah. in the details and yeah that's beautiful that's interesting you mentioned dharma dorothy pro and i just were had recorded a talk not too long ago it's not available yet on dharma and, and I think we sort of explored how Dharma, you know, Dharma reflects an alignment with divinity, you know, to, to, to varying degrees. So the more aligned we are um, with that, with the sort of ideal possibility within the unfoldment of that thought or that musing, then our, the more clearly our Dharma is being expressed or the Dharma sort of the universal dharma if you will we talked about all the different levels of dharma there's a lot but yeah. <laughs> and um when it kind of relates well you, listening to your description um sort of brings brings to mind this reflection on um the understanding of the sort of male female masculine feminine um presentation that's that's represented in this universe and in this planetary system and it it also is how divinity relates to itself according to a given um, context or environment. So on this planetary system, um, there's a distinct representation of the male and female values. And these seen, are seen to sort of represent certain qualitative um, presentations, yeah? And so as you described, it's all instantaneous, simultaneous, already all there um at the same time it's never happened hmm? yes. but in that all already there there's this possible there's it's not that we're looking at something as starting here and then coming here the way that we describe it it sounds like that because we start at this point and then we kind of describe it sequentially to what seems to be something that is but it's not in time and the, the, the end is at the beginning and the beginning is non-different from the end. Yeah. Or whatever you want to call it. It's not really an end, but you understand what I'm saying. So this, you know, when it comes to like, you know, Supreme mother, Supreme father, masculine, feminine, the different archetypal sort of um, personified values of divinity, which are recognizable in form um, as an, as an experiential reality, all of that relates to the blossoming of the flower of in the mind of God in, in this planetary system and in this universe. So divinity is able to look back on itself and to see itself from this particular um, viewpoint, which holds the masculine feminine values. And so when we speak about the divine mother or the divine father or the divine daughter, the divine son, it, it's this beautiful opportunity that's really unique to a given planetary system, not saying this is the only planetary system where that is present, but that our planetary system has this unique possibility for divinity to 
realize and reflect and hold itself in the in this way um so that just for whatever it's worth it's, beautiful yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know if i want to go into that uh, <laughs> that because that gets into a whole other bunch of exploring and to, to, to put it in context um but yeah yeah it's it's, it's fascinating that the the variety and the extent um, of the possibilities and mm. that are expressed in creation mm. is, is just astonishing and and it, as you get you know subtler and subtler the the variety is is uh, is more and more expressed I, I remember um, what comes to mind is is the Bhagavad Gita song of God chapter 11 um, Arjuna is asking Krishna to show him his true form. And Krishna is, oh, I don't know, you know, this is a little bit much. And, and so finally he does. And uh, Arjuna is completely overwhelmed because there's this vastness of, it's like everything all at once and uh, all, all forms, all beings. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's a incredible. And yet divinity is more than that, too. Yes. Yeah, one of the interesting things to relate to what we were talking about a few minutes ago is this quality of time. Because mm. time isn't there at the beginning. It's just, it's just uh, there's, like you said, we, that we've been talking about it like it's a process mm. right, where it's just instant. But there's this value of the process of experience mm. where it, it's differentiating these different values. And and so there's this experience of time and our experience of time relates to our relationship with the process of experience. Yes. As we shift it, we experience time differently. We've all had, you know, time seems to really drag and then other times time seems to go flying by. Yes. And, and that's because our relationship has changed. And I think I, at some point I listed in about eight different ways we can experience time. You know, it's like as past and future, as an eternal now, as past and future in the present moment. Uh, as eternity, as, as not, no time, timelessness, whatever, and, and so forth, um, all in, a, in that relationship. And, and the, the reason why we experience the world the way we do uh, through this apparent step, 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 step of experience of kind of unfolding it all out is so that we can go through this process of experience and bring out the details. Because mm. um, otherwise, you know, it all happens at once and it's like, the details are just kind of lost in that, you know. Uh, it's sort of like sometimes people are kind of like, you know, they're in a big rush that they've woken up and now they want to go to the next stage. And then they want right, to, yeah. Right away, <laughs> oh, it's like a race. But mm -hmm. it's not actually really what you want because you want each stage to, to uh, have time to uh, unfold and, and integrate and mature uh, so that you can get the full value. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's a great point. And that kind of also reveals that there's this idea of a finish line, perhaps somewhere sort of nestled in, nestled <laughs> in there. Like, yeah, I would get, then I'll be, you know, whatever. Um, but it's really not like that. And I think that one of the most revealing things about pure divinity is how uh, much, how much deeper, how much deeper there is to sort of just Yeah, that's flow. important. That's an important note. These stages of enlightenment are, uh, are, uh, they're not, they're not a goal. Yes. They're, they're how we live life. They're what we live life from. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like being a teen or being an adult is not a life goal. 
it's, it's, it's the vehicle from which we live life. And so it's a, it's a better place to be living life from. So it, they're, they're worthwhile uh, to work on to try and culture, but, um, but they're not goal in them of themselves. Yes. Of so what, what, what do you do with that? You know, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't come in so handy, right? Yeah. <laughs> when, when sometimes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, hold on a sec. Let me, <laughs> yeah. where yeah. are we again? Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like, if you actually talk, start talking about your life in a, in a, in a sort of normal social context, people are kind of like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of dumb it down to be normal yeah yeah sort of normal anyways <laughs> yeah yeah it's so true and it's uh one of the ways i like to look at it is a qualitative qualitative distinction it's a qualitative shift in the in the way that uh life is is recognized so it's not about quantity because quantitatively it's infinite yeah yes. it's a qualitative um differentiation comparatively which uh, may or may not be sort of prominently recognized so yeah and if you read uh, some of the old texts like the yoga sutra for example or whatever that in the third and fourth books there that they list abilities and and uh consequences kind of some of these kinds of things and it's very clear that that i mean i don't know if there's anybody living that fully at this time uh, and so uh, the awakening process gives you a platform for that to unfold on, but, but there's so much more that's possible that humans are capable of um, and that we can unfold into that, uh, you know, we're just beginning. I mean, I, I, I still feel like I'm in kindergarten again on a regular basis. It's like some new value unfolds and it's like, oh, okay. And it puts everything in a new context and it's like, okay, what's still true? Um, mm -hmm. uh, and what, what, what's what is the time to throw off yeah <laughs> yeah so i don't know i mean my perspective we that i described of, of how things become i'm sure that'll evolve again too sure it's evolved over the years yeah same here totally open and that's one of them i mean you know when we have that willingness to become to be made like a child over and over and over again yeah yes there's no end to the possibilities of of depth and uh so beautiful. It is beautiful. I uh, there's a certain prayer um, that came um, when a, f a friend was in the moving transitioning at, from nothingness into pure divinity, and um, we were working closely together and just sort of supporting supporting that. And I call it the immeasurable prayer, and it's not a common. Uh, not not within the context of your common understanding of prayer, but uh, I thought maybe I would say it uh, just a short little. Um, Beautiful. So it goes like this: I is the essence of the essence. I is the root of the root. Far from being something or nothing, I timelessly shines. I is immeasurable power. I is immeasurable love.
far from beginning or ending. I timelessly shines. I is all and all is I. I is and I am none other than pure divinity. I think I messed up in that, but you can find the the uh, the written copy on on the website, my website. So, but I uh, I just want to thank you, David, for the opportunity to to go over these stages in detail, um, for the glory of divinity, yeah, and for the sake of truth, because that's what this is all about: is the glory of divinity. It's not about any particular so-called personality or anything like that. So thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, for our viewers, I was thinking that maybe um, our next talk, we could explore the, the healing process and uh, the, the intelligence of allowing and how that kind of shows up throughout the stages. Does that sound good to you? Yes, that sounds like a great idea. All right. Perfect. That'll give some, everyone something to look forward to. So <laughs> thank you again, Dave. Thank you. All glory to pure divinity. All glory.